market. The S&P. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is brought to you by Andrew, Scott, Liam and Frank. Frank. Oh, Frank. Frankly, we're talking about Frank, my friend. Uh, dividend franking in particular. Frank. It's gotten a little bit of headlines uh, this week. A little bit. Courtesy of Mr. Shorten, so we have to talk about that. We talked about when politicians attacked last week and Bill has come out a week too late, but... He gets an honourable mention. Always keeps things interesting. Let's so we're gonna, we can really talk about that for the whole show, but we won't. We're going to squeeze in <laughs> some other things. things. Yes. <laughs> in fact, just as we were preparing to go to air, a bit of a bombshell dropped. Wes Farmers is getting rid of coals. We are breaking news here. We right? are absolutely breaking How news. How good that? So we had a very quick skim, and let's hope we get most of the details <laughs> correct. Uh, we're also, we've got some great questions as always, so we're going to go through a few mailbags, and my friend, it's your turn to get on oh, the high horse. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to that. Mate, you don't sound too bad for a bloke who's hungover. I had a bit of a big night last night. <laughs> As did you. <laughs> I did. As did all of our colleagues, in fact. We had a bit did. of a get-together. The Motley Fool team was down in Sydney. Bit of barefoot bowls. Bit of barefoot bowls. How'd you go? We won. So did our team. Mate, I'm, I'm undefeated two for two on that, uh, <laughs> just quietly. Yes, there were uh, listeners. Andrew likes to refer to himself when he's barefoot and bowling as the A-train. The A-train. Toot, toot. Complete with, yes, toots, which is, you know. I don't even know where it comes from or what reference that is, but let's just go with it. Uh, anyway, that somehow I'm going to try and bring us back to dividends. Give us a really good segue. We can you cut out this bit and we can just go straight to yeah, it. Ready? Here we go. Let's and do that. Go. As you, as you said, there's the, the, we're a little bit foggy this morning. Um, <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Um what is dividend franking or imputation as it's otherwise known? Imputation credits, exactly. So the idea introduced by the Keating yes. government, or at least Paul Keating as treasurer in the Hawke government, way back in the 90s, was the concept that Australians shouldn't have to pay taxes twice on dividend income. It prevents double taxation. So if you mm-hmm. earn if you earn money in interest or you earn rent from, a, from an investment, yep. you pay tax when that money is received by you and your suite. Sure. With dividends before the system was introduced... The company would pay tax on their profits. Mm-hmm. They'd give you the money in terms of dividends, mm-hmm. and the government would say, well, you've just got some income. You've got to pay us tax on that. Now, yeah. you're paying tax on money that's already had tax paid on it. Yes. So back in the 90s, the Keating Treasurership or government said, no, mm. we're not going to allow that. We're not going to have that. We'll give you a credit for the tax the company's paid already yep. 35% on 35% at the time. Correct. So 30% now. The idea of imputational franking credits is you, you're given an allowance at tax time for the tax the company's already paid on that dividend. Yes. Uh, and it's a wonderful system. In fact, I think it's only us, the Kiwis, and maybe one other country in the entire world that actually does this. Yeah, yeah. and it's super, it's super smart, right? Because there is no logical sense why dividend income should be taxed twice when interest or rent or any other sort of investment income is only taxed once. Yes, it makes, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Also, you would think it apparently Bill doesn't like it though. So he's proposed. So where where it gets a bit interesting, and the, and the change here is is uh, not to the whole system, but uh, in fact the Howard government made a bit of a tweak to the rule after yes. Keating brought it in, which was there are some people who pay less than the thirty percent rate of corporate tax. Yes, and if you don't have any other income to offset those franking credits uh, off against, you actually get to cash them in. You right. actually get to say, I've paid too much tax. The ATO will send you a check and say, you haven't actually paid any tax, but here's a tax refund. Here's a tax refund. Right. Um, uh, well, because you have, uh, the company has paid too much tax on your behalf. Right, and Is- that's the key point. So this week we've had a whole lot of people come out. Bill Shorten, I, 
we don't get political here, but I, I feel pretty good about attacking both sides of politics when they deserve it. So yep. Bill Shorten's come out with something I think is frankly not very well thought through. No. At some level, and there's the term at five point eight or eight billion dollars worth of money here for the budget. So it's mm-hmm. a big, big pot of cash. Mm. And Shorten has basically said anyone who gets a refund no longer deserves it, no longer gets it, um, the money's not coming back to you. Mm. And I kind of get that at one level. The challenge that we have is that right now it doesn't allow for the fact that the taxpayers themselves under the tax scales themselves don't, aren't required to pay tax. Mm. So if you're in a zero tax bracket, mm. you pay no tax on your interest, mm. you pay no tax on your rent. Rental income. But yeah. for some reason the government says you don't. You still have to pay tax on the company profits that are earned for your portion of the company ownership. So if you own a, por- a couple of Woolworth shares, you've got to pay tax on those dividends. You don't get that back. Mm. And that's the hard part. Well, Keating is the father of all of this, yep. and he actually came out in support of it. Yeah. So where's again for us? It's it doesn't seem to make that much sense. But right. let's one argument I've heard, which I have some sympathy towards, is there's a bit of a distortion in the system. The distortion being is that it, it, it for some uh, shareholder, for many people, the 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 value of the of a dividend is greater than the value of the cash retained by the business. So it gives a added incentive for the board to distribute cash rather than retain it. Now. A lot of people say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, if you're a business and your your goal is to maximise return for shareholders yep. and you've got opportunities, you know, uh, high probability, low risk opportunities to reinvest that cash and get a, a, a good return on right. that, yeah. shouldn't you do that instead of paying? We, we see this more in Australia than other countries. Mm. I'm the dividend guy, right? I, I love dividends. <laughs> I get it. But, yeah, for sure. you know, I get I get really annoyed when, when especially when you see companies with good um, uh, very well articulated, w- well prosecuted growth strategies with a long runway ahead. Mm-hmm. They're borrowing money, they're raising uh, capital uh, through issuing shares, and they're paying a dividend, yep. which kind of seems that there's something's amiss there, right? Now, I well, I kind of have some sympathy for that view, although that's more about the franking system in general. Right. That's right. the fact that the franking system, as it exists, incentivizes shareholders to want dividends rather than capital growth yep. because of the tax treatment. So that's. If you pay hundred thousand dollars in tax mm. and you get twenty grand worth of franking credits to reduce that tax, that that exists no matter whether you get a proper refund or just a reduction in the tax you pay. So mm. I get the kind of the conceptual argument on that, but that's not about this current week's conversation about the refunds. This is Bill Shorten saying if you're eligible for a refund, if you if if as a government or as an opposition, but in government, we have said your tax rate is zero percent. You actually have to pay more than zero percent if you own shares in a company. So you're saying and that's where it's broken. If 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 you wanted to fix something, yep. assuming that we all agree something needs to be fixed, right? Um, start with the tax scales themselves, Correct. not with the right. actual so quirk you treat, of the franking system. Right. So you, you treat all income the same. So the first thing is, we do we think double taxation is bad? Yes. Yep. Do we think that income should be treated the same? Mm-hmm. I.e., you should only pay tax once on all your income. Yes. Yep. And do we think the personal tax scales should be determinant of how much tax you pay? Yes. Yes. Okay. If you believe those three things, the dividend refund ban that Shorten's going to mm. introduce or is mm. planning to introduce is madness because it doesn't do it doesn't it doesn't hold true to any of those three rules. Mm. And this is the big problem. So if the government says I should pay zero tax, then why should my dividends be taxed before I get them? I'm not paying zero tax. And so yeah. there is a distortion there. My my rent income is zero percent. Yeah. My savings income is zero percent. But my, ta- my, my shares are taxed at 30% at the corporate level. So I've actually been disadvantaged by owning shares and not getting that money back, not paying 0%. Now, as you said, if – and I, look, I think the, 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 the retirement savings system is fundamentally broken because we have 
large swathes of, say, Woolworths, a lot of owned by invest- retail investors, mm. a lot of those owned by retirees or people in superannuation. It's possible that 25% of Woolworths, Inc., Woolworths ta- corporate tax isn't taxed at all, or profit, sorry, isn't yeah. taxed at all because the 25% of people who own it who are retail investors in the SMSFs or mm. in retirement phase mm. are in zero tax. And you can't have a tax system that works that way. Mm. So I would change it. I think the much more... I have sympathy for Frank for, for Shorten's view. His view is there are people getting tax refunds of eighty thousand mm. dollars. Now, if you're getting that much in, do you deserve eighty grand at a zero tax rate? No, you don't. Mm. And this is where it starts, right? So, people who are on the pension, people who are getting low amounts of income from from super in their retirement, should be on zero percent for that small, you know, first. 40, 50, 60 grand. The mm. bit that replicates or replaces the pension should absolutely be tax-free. Well, that's why there was the, the tax incentive. That's why it's there in the first place. Yep. After that, though, as you earn more income, yeah, just, you should have a tax scale applied to you. It makes no sense that if you, I mean... Well, I'm retired, but I've got a $50 million portfolio, right. so I shouldn't have to pay to kind of... And, and you know, maybe it's not $50 million, maybe it's $10 million, right? Yeah. But if you're getting... I, I'm only $10 million. Okay. Right, but if you're getting half a million dollars a year in, in, right. in dividends, yeah. that, shouldn't be, that shouldn't be tax-free. Like, no one yeah. thinks it's a good idea for, for a half-million-dollar income a year yes. to be tax-free. Yep. And that's where the problem is exists now. It's, that's an extreme example because there's other rules that sure, overlap sure, that. Sure, but. Sure. Yeah, the, the, you know, this, the, apply the personal tax scales, not banning franking refunds. That's the bottom line. Oh, man. Uh, and we should thank, by the way, Andrew and Dale, who both hit us up on Twitter and said, hey, guys, can you talk about it this week? So yeah. thanks, guys, for the suggestion. We're going to anyway, but it's always nice to know what they Look, want Look, we might follow about. that up as well because is, this is ongoing. It looks as though they might be backtracking a little bit, maybe a bit of a political misstep. Uh, uh, well, so far they've said, oh, we won't do it to pensioners. Um I can't. I can't let this one go either, mate. I loved. I love Sean's when when quizzed on it. He said, oh, "Well, God. you know, people people who are going to miss out should just invest in property. <laughs> go and buy property. Go and like what? That's cheap. Yeah, that's- Australian property is what the fourth most expensive in the world. And Bill Sean's like, you know, what you- it was even worse. That Australian property is a good bet. Yeah, I was going to say a good bet. Yeah, it's like, Seriously, this, this, there's multiple things wrong with that. It is one good, two bet. I was like, I don't know. So look, just- we're all. I'm, I won't blame you. I'm all for tax reform. I'm all for fixing the system." There, it, it is not sustainable paying 0% tax on all retirement income. You just can't do it at any level. Yeah. So fix the tax scales, Bill. Leave refunds alone. Very good, my friend. Very good. Thank you, sir. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk about West Farmers. Yeah. Now, West Farmers, a very, very old Australian uh, company. It's a, an investment conglomerate. They have their, as in the nature of conglomerates, they mm-hmm. have fingers in a whole bunch of different pies in, uh, industrial chemicals, coal mines, uh, cane. It's got to make it hard to work, mate. What do you mean? We've got apple pie over your hands. <laughs> That's terrible. I'll forgive you because you're, you're a little bit hungover. I, hey, don't, don't, don't blame me. I'm not hungover. <laughs> I'm sleep deprived, but I'm not hungover. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Don't, don't try and drag me down to your level. So, and, and they bought, when did they buy Coles again? Remind me. A while ago now. Yeah, it was probably almost, was it 10 we years We should ago? really know. This, we should this know. is how much preparation we'll we do. We'll let this bit out of the, out of the so, program. But, but, and, and you know what? Full credit to them. Hey, they that's bought- the one of podcasts. You don't ask me a question you don't know the answer to. <laughs> that's All right. right. I definitely I don't know the answer, answer, know the answer to. <laughs> so, so they bought, back in the day, Coles was really struggling. It had suffered from years and years and years of underinvestment. Uh, Woolies was just taking them to town to task. And, and, yeah. and, and, and Wes Farmer's... Uh, bought them out and just reinvigorated that business. 2007 it was. 2007. Thanks to the wonders of Google. Wow. Um, we do all our best work. Wow. Uh, I was going to say further back, but okay. Mm. So they really turned that thing around really quickly. And and now they've said, just this morning, just before we've come to where they said, actually, we're going to divest ourselves of that. So firstly, my question is, what is a divestment? 
And the second question is, why would you do that? All right. So the great thing I love about West Farmers, West Farmers is an active recommendation of as its share advisor. Mm-hmm. And what I like about West Farmers relative to Woolies, and I like both businesses as businesses, but West Farmers is an investment company first. Mm-hmm. And a retailer second. Yep. And their view is that we will put our shareholders' money to work in the best investment opportunities we can find. Mm-hmm. And when those opportunities no longer make sense, we'll sell those businesses, divest the businesses, do whatever with those businesses. Mm-hmm. And so they've, you know, if you buy West Farmers, you're buying an investment management layer, if you like. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you buy Woolworths, Woolworths is Woolworths is Woolworths is Woolworths. Mm-hmm. And so Woolies can't sell Woolies and still be Woolies, right? Right. West Farmers, though, isn't, I mean, these days it's predominantly a retailer because that's what they've done in the past, yeah. but there's no reason to remain a retailer. So put that aside. The reason they can do this is they will demerge or divest themselves of Coles by spinning it off into an ASX-listed company. So well, Coles was ASX-listed once upon a time. Yep. West Farm has bought it, fixed it. Now, effectively, they're putting it back on the market by giving 80% odd of the shares to West Farmers shareholders mm-hmm. that they can then hold, sell, or buy more of. My, my question, though, for you is why why divest and split it off and give shareholders a, a pro-rated you know, equivalent shareholding in yep. a new company? Why not just sell it, get the cash, yep. and then do what you do as an investment conglomerate? So a couple of things. We should probably just, just tidy up the terms a little bit. Mm-hmm. To divest is just to get rid of your interest in, which mm-hmm. they could do with any of those things. They could sell it, they could demerge, they could do a whole lot of things. Right. This is more accurately a, de- a demerger, mm-hmm. which is where they simply Sorry. split right. the business in yes. half. It's yep. a, not a big deal, but yep. important to yes, 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 get yep. our terms right. Yep. And so thinking about how that happens... Um, I would. We don't know their specific reasoning. My best guess is that they're doing what Woolies themselves actually with a property portfolio a few years back, mm. which is to say trying to sell coals and get a decent price on the market in a large lump sum. This is a multi-billion dollar business. Yep. I don't think there's any buyers out there who would who would buy coals from them. Okay. So selling it to a trade buyer, selling it to private equity, probably just not going to happen. Mm. So they've figured the best way they can get value for their shareholders is to list it separately, let the market work out what it's worth, price it accordingly and then their shareholders can decide whether they want to keep that interest yep. and own some of coals or sell it and put the money back into West Farmers or something else. Again, it's like what we did with their property portfolio. They mm-hmm. said, we can't convince anyone to buy this property portfolio at a decent price, mm-hmm. but we can spin it off onto the, into the market and then individual investors can make their decisions about when they buy or sell based on their interpretation of, the, of a fair price. Do they also feel as though they get greater value? Is, is it a case of, you know, if I take two and I split it into to two different parts, I get one and one and a half? Look, it, it's possible. It depends. We don't really yet know how the market will value Coles is a standalone business. Because shareholders are worse off otherwise, right? Other well, than, other than no. giving them the choice. Well, they get both. So they're, they're no worse off. Because if you have... let's, let's well, well, they What's, are, our, what's they... our favourite analogy, Andrew? Uh, I don't know. It's round. It has pepperoni on it. Oh, <laughs> Let's go with the pizza. So let's say you've got a, a whole pizza, right? <laughs> West Farmers is the whole pizza. Yeah. What they're saying is we're going to cut the pizza into thirds mm-hmm. and we're going to give one third of that pizza... I'm going to put one third on one plate mm-hmm. and keep the other two thirds on the other plate. Mm-hmm. This pizza doesn't change shape or size. I just have put but it in what, what, what if What if the uh, patron at the pizzeria says, actually, <laughs> that third of a pizza isn't actually a third of a pizza. I actually only value that as if it was a quarter of a pizza. So. And that's always possible. This is where we pretend. Well, we don't re- pretend. really going to get messy with our analogies here. Right. Well, the market pretends that it's efficient, right? And, mm-hmm. and academics pretend the market is efficient. Mm-hmm. If that was true, the market should value this business as a whole exactly the same as the sum of its parts. By definition, the mm-hmm. math should work, right? Mm-hmm. If I've got... Two halves of a pizza, whether they're separate or together, it's still one pizza. That mm-hmm. you, they don't change size just because I slice them up. Mm. Um, it's possible the market says, "Well, we think West Farmers and Coles separately is worth more or less than together." Mm. But that's an example of market inefficiency, not any sort of corporate decision making on West Farmers' behalf. So right. simply saying, "I'm going to cut the pizza up," and rather than give you one whole pizza, I'm giving you 
two separate plates mm -hmm. with two different bits of the pizza, mm -hmm. there should be no impact on the company itself and the value is determined by the market. And mm -hmm. it gives, again, the shareholders the opportunity. If, if they diverge coals and the share price falls and you think it's good value, you can buy more coal shares. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a benefit. Mm -hmm. If the market values coals more highly, you can sell those coal shares and then buy West Farmers or do something else with the money. So they are letting the market decide, but more importantly, their shareholders decide, rather than recognising one-off value on whatever terms they can get, their, their considered view, and, and frankly, I trust West Farmers Management and Board, their considered view is they think that there's more value in listing it than trying to sell it for what otherwise would probably be a lower price. What percentage of, of their earnings was from Coles? It was like half or something, I want to yeah. say. It was a huge amount, it, right? It's, so it's this a, is going to be a much chunk. smaller business after the fact. West, we're talking specifically West Farmers here. Yes. Much smaller yes, business right, after the right. fact. Yep. Yep. Um, so they're spinning out the Coles, the Coles Convenience. So They're keeping Coles Bunnings, food, which is strange. Right. So they're keeping Bunnings, they're keeping Jordan Office Works, mm. they're keeping Target and mm. Kmart. Mm. And part of this, again, they're keeping Target and Kmart because no one will buy it, right? right. They can't spin it out as part of Coles because yep. people won't buy the shares. Yes. They can't find anyone to buy them, so they're kind of stuck with them for now. Yep. Um, that won't be the case forever, I don't think. Um, Bunnings Office Works, spectacularly great businesses. Yep. So Bunnings say that and I think there's some value here. Um, we, we talk about demergers all the time and acquisitions and other things. Bunnings, uh, sorry, West Farmers believe that um, the market will value these two businesses or consider these businesses differently. Coles is now, they're saying, a moderate growth business. Mm -hmm. And their argument is, look, as a West Farmers operation, we think we can use our money for higher growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. But there are some shareholders who want lower growth, stable, probably higher dividends, yeah. say, from Coles. Yeah. Um, same reason, you know, would you buy West Farmers or would, uh, Woolworths or would you buy... I don't know, cochlear, mm -hmm. very different businesses, right? Depending on what you want. Do you want income? Do you want dividends? Do you want capital growth? You know, Depending on mm. what you want from a stock, you'll buy different companies. Their view is that West Farmers and Coles separately is an easier investment decision for their shareholders than the whole thing together as one conglomerate, particularly now the growth is slowing down. All right, nice one. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We better move on, my friend. We should. Um, uh, we've got a, a bunch of questions. We've got some really good ones. You're going to ask me to um, create a new term for something? <laughs> last we're week not, went, we're last not week going back really, to that. Last week went really well. You asked me, and we well, the, opposite, our... the opposite of a correction. <laughs> oh, oh man, what did I, what did I say? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not repeating it. <laughs> I am not. There repeating is nothing wrong with the word operation. I, I will. I will stand by that word. The fact you laugh like a schoolboy is not my problem. Giggle like a schoolgirl. Well, I, I'm a visionary, and so that's my thing. <laughs> uh, we, we we did have a couple of our, our listeners. Thank you for um, for responding on Twitter, guys. Uh, if you don't want to respond on Twitter, by the way, we are at the Motley Fool AU. Or I'm at TMF Scott P. And Andrew is at? At Sage underscore Simeon. So we did have some people who contacted us and, and one uh, one poor listener. Uh, we probably are up for some IT costs. Uh, apparently he spat <laughs> coffee all over his keyboard and and uh, and, and uh, computer. That, that after was hearing, much my reaction to <laughs> After hearing my, my coining of a new term, which I think will catch on, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident. Come on, look. What what are your what are your previous I tried to get the Trump dump going. Right. And it, it turned out to be a Trump pump and neither caught on. So okay. and then there was Boncano you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I didn't ago. coin the term Boncano. You did try and I did I did I did see a bandwagon and I jumped the hell <laughs> on that bandwagon. Let How'd me tell that go you. for you? It hasn't worked out so well. I uh, saw so the far. same I saw a bandwagon too and I jumped in front of the wheels and I'm probably <laughs> getting ridden over backwards and forwards as we speak. Though if it catches on, you heard it here first. Okay. Well, I'm claiming that one. Okay. 
It's all yours. So I, I, your job for next week, Andrew, is to come up with a term to describe something in finance. Okay. I, all right. Mission accepted. Liam, we have to hold Andrew for that. That's that's his job. Okay. If he doesn't come up with something, there's got to be some sort of penalty. We're kind of in the Triple M studios, Liam, so I'm thinking some sort of radio game show. Maybe we film Andrew getting an eyebrow shaved if he doesn't do it. Something like that. Can you guys organise that here you at Triple M? You want, you, want a, you want a classic radio stunt. There we, radio stunt, exactly. Beautiful. What, we can what sort you, that. What are you thinking? Uh, look, there's there's numerous things. We can okay. take one of his prized possessions and drop it off the top of the building. Oh, that's um, good. Um, have it, have it dangling there during the recording of the podcast. There you go. And if he fails, we drop it. Go on. Oh, man. That's an option. <laughs> you know, I mean, which I, one's your least favourite child? You know, uh, no. you're <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. look, we can have we can have an array of you can take an oh, article okay. of clothing every time there we off go. every time you know you fail. That punishes us more than the listeners, though. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is yeah. not a filmed piece, so yeah. <laughs> that That's just more painful us. for us. I'm All way right. too hungover for any kind of witty <laughs> on that. So I'm just leave, gonna, leave the jokes to I'm me, pal. Gonna, like, leave the jokes to me. Okay. The good thing about being in this audience is that between you and I, when you're hungover, I'm the funny one, and that works for me. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> So, oh, but you know, um, I need to give a special shout out to Just Justine as yes. well, who I'm told listens to uh, the podcast on the drive back from work on a Friday. Hello, Thank Justine. You, Justine. Thanks G'day. for listening in. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, we got a good. We had a huge mailbag. We had a huge one. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the first one. And you quick. Thank quick, you. I've lost my spot on, on the run sheet. <laughs> oh, by the way, he calls it a run sheet, Liam. Like it's actually kind of a thing. He said that on radio. Someone's mentioned run sheet at one point. Hashtag yeah. Protein. Most radio professionals um, are actually always hungover, so at least you're catching. I've up. got so much to learn. There we go. So Conrad did uh, did just say we, we a couple of weeks or three weeks ago probably we talked about a bitcoin and, and you generally give me grief about bitcoin, Andrew. And my usual response in, in jest is, well, I can't sell anyway. Um, and Conrad did ask us to make the point that you actually can find ways to sell bitcoin, and he he said thanks for um, making that clarification. So Conrad, our pleasure. Um, thank you for listening and thank you for for corresponding. Keep going. <laughs> you still can't find your spot, I still can't can find where I'm All right. Next one's from JC on Twitter, who is JDC underscore, is that 1981? 1991. 1991. Jeez, I'm aging myself. Uh, JC says, hi, guys. I have a question for the podcast. My wife and I are expecting our first child. Congratulations, JC. I'm looking at setting up an investment for our child. A friend mentioned that I should investigate insurance bonds, but I have no idea what they are or how they differ from a normal government bond. Could you please explain what they are and how they can be used for your kids? I should have really been the one to read out the question because Andrew, you go I'm with it. JC here. I have no <laughs> idea what an insurance bond is. Are they even a thing in Australia? They really are. are so they? Look, you know, we can't, so we can't give personal Hashtag investment advice, expert. which we tend to we mm. tend to say. Uh, well, here's the thing: insurance bonds are kind of an old thing. Um, the idea with an insurance bond it, it is tax advantaged, so there are there are tax benefits to having an insurance bond. Okay, you you put money in, they mature at a certain time. They have been used traditionally to basically have a a time bound investment. Sounds like a term, horizon. term deposit. It kind of is, but but it's an insurance bond, so it's tax because where's the insurance, insurance part come into it? It's it's just the old, by name. It's the old the old. The, back in the day, there was a thing called life assurance, which actually paid you out a, a return at some point in the future, whether you died or not. So okay. it was a sense of it, the the old style insurance bonds are largely just savings schemes, regular savings schemes mm-hmm. dressed up in a particular structure. Okay. So it's kind of a it's it, it's equivalent of a term deposit where you'd regularly deposit some money. I'm with you. And it matures at say the time the kid turns 21, something like that. That well, sounds reasonable. Yeah, look it does and it's not the world's worst idea. The tax advantage. Look, you know, Australians love to save money on tax and we We are so crazy when it comes to tax. Well, yeah. That's going to be my high horse next week. <laughs> All right. I won't steal that. Other than to say, insurance bonds have their place. They are a very conservative investment. They are tax advantaged. If you want to save money on tax, then that's an option. 
I frankly believe that over... Look, if you're saving JC for your first child, let's say you want to give them money when they're 21 or 25, you're much, much better off, generally speaking, if history is any guide, just investing in high-quality shares and letting those compound for you. Even if there it's just an index fund, in the, right? Right, the yeah. tax advantage in, that in itself. Yeah. You can reinvest the dividends. You, the capital growth will look after itself. Um, I understand why people would recommend them because everyone likes to save a few dollars What's, in tax. Is, is it generally true that the interest on them, are pre, like, given the particular environment we're in at the moment, pretty ordinary yeah, as well? Yeah, the, the, return, the returns, yeah, again, you, you pay no tax. That's what people focus on. But, yeah, I, I expect over 20 years you'll do much, much better. On average, over time, being in shares and trying to buy an insurance bond, as attractive as they seem. And look, you know what? People make money selling these bonds, which is why they're all being there's marketed a, to there's you. There's a, a snout in a trough somewhere. You know it. You know yep. it. So look, yep. Jesse, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. If you want to do it, you feel good about it. If that's if that works for you, then go for it. Um, if you can otherwise, though, continually to you know invest regularly in your child's portfolio over, over a number of years, I'm pretty sure you'll do better investing in shares. I just have to say very quickly, too, your job as a human being, a rational human being, is to maximise your after-tax income. It is not to try and feel as though you've got one over on the tax man. Yeah, it, you know this it, isn't next week. Right? Sorry, I just can't help myself. <laughs> I've had a number of people I've had complain because oh, I made money on these shares. Now I have to pay tax. It just blows my mind. Liam, anyway, fell asleep while I was talking. He's woken up and thought, "Oh, it's next week. I better do my rant." <laughs> I'm, I'm half doing that's what happened just then. Just quietly, <laughs> we got a, a good question uh, from Valk Valkmia. Oh man, I can't even read at this stage. V A L K M I R E. Apologies for that. Valkmia one on Twitter. Yes, uh, thanks for the question. Hi there, really enjoy the podcast. Is it a good idea to buy? So I really enjoy the podcast. Yes, that's it, pretty impressive. Em- emphasize that. Hey, do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to completely hijack your point here. How are we going for time? We're all right. Uh, we're okay. We were the number one podcast in business last week. Thank you to all of our listeners who downloaded, really? who referred their friends, who did all those I wonderful things. I should have sounded so surprised. What? You should have sounded surprised because I sent you the image of the iTunes chart showing it's number God. one. I mean, I live I live in the moment. <laughs> if it happened more than five minutes ago, it just didn't happen, as far as I'm concerned. Liam, Andrew, this morning over breakfast. This is a massive tangent. We're preparing over brekkie this morning. Andrew says we don't to me, need to share this. Andrew says to me, you know what I'm thinking? We could do this thing. I'm like, mate, I suggested that to you a week ago. Don't suggest it back to me and think it's your idea. <laughs> Literally, he's like, what if we did this? I'm like, mate, I said we should do that. That's what I said. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. I, I'm still not convinced that actually You happened. know it's true, dude. Mm. You fessed up very quickly. So Valkmia <laughs> says... Um, so number one podcast is in business. Is it a good idea to buy a stock right after the dividend payable date? Since the stock price tends to drop by the amount of the dividends that were paid out, any help would be appreciated. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, Unpack it. Unpack. Thank you. I'm going to unpack this one. So companies that pay a dividend have to nominate a date at which you become eligible for right. that dividend. People are buying and selling shares If you own shares, shares on this date, you get the dividend. Yep. And so there's three dates that you need to be... Well, there's really two dates you need to be aware of, right. but there are three dates that are, that are, that are quoted. The first is called... Dude, the, remember this is, remember this is uh, radio. Ex-dividend. Do you want me to do some long division on radio? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just suggesting you just... just Keep it, keep it light. That's okay. Plus, um, you're hungover, so the chance you get. Who knows? Can probably. you save? Jump in, <laughs> jump in at any point. I'll if do I, my if best. I lose my way. I'll do my so best. So there's the first one is the ex-dividend date. Yes. Now that is the date at which you are your entitlement is X. It's gone. So, this, is that Latin? I, I don't know. Here's the thing though: if the ex-dividend date was today's a Friday, if it was a Friday, you have to have owned the shares by the close of trade yesterday. You have to have bought the shares. By the uh, to have bought the shares, yes. correct. Yes. Then there is the record date, mm-hmm. which is the date at which that is recorded with the share register. Yes. 
Now, that really doesn't matter. As long as you have bought your shares before, not on the X date, before right. the X date, right. you are entitled to the dividend. Yes. And then the question is in relation to the payable date, which is actually the date it arrives in your bank account. Mm-hmm. And that is, well, that's that's a, a nice date to know, but it is the X date that matters. Right. So, so that's the first one. You have to own it at that point. Now, He's he's uh, or she is is very correct in saying that the share price will tend to drop. So if, if the share is a dollar and yes. is a ten cent dividend, generally speaking, all else being equal, the shares will drop to ninety cents the day after. Right. Because, quite simply, on the day before the X date, I'm getting a share and I'm getting entitlement to a 10 cent dividend. The day after, I'm just getting the share. Right. So, so the idea that you can buy the share on the day before the X dividend date, sell it a few days later, um, and get a free kick mm-hmm. is not one that you can you can tend to do. Correct. Um, uh, there is also and also trying to buy before selling after the dividend is if you're going to get the same price. Some people say, "Well, I'll buy it for the dividend, yeah. then sell it after and bank the dividend." The shares are going to drop by the value of the dividend, so there's no free lunch. And look, and just without getting too far down the rabbit hole, there's this thing called the 45 day rule as well, which means that if you own more than five thousand dollars worth of franking credits yeah. each year, um, I think it's five thousand. It's about yep. that amount. Um, uh, you have to hold the shares for 45 days to be entitled to that. You can't just you can't buy and sell within that period. Yep. So generally speaking, unfortunately, there there is a lot of um, clever sounding strategies, dividend stripping <laughs> strategies out there where people sort of advocate for this kind of thing. There's people just, who can make a buck by selling you the strategy, right? Look, there's just no free lunch yeah. in these things. So I, I would I would, I would, um, discourage you from, from trying to do any of that kind of stuff. Yep. Shares are just so volatile and unpredictable in the short term. It's, just, it's not going to land the way you think it will, not 99% of the time. Um, all you need to remember is is that if you want the next dividend, make sure you buy before the X date. Yeah, so let me, let me just quickly wrap that up because you asked the dividend. We'll share I unpacked dividend. it. You're wrapping it up. There we go. Hey, love how's it. that? Hey. Put, I'll put a bow on it for you. How's that? <laughs> love I'm it. a nice bloke. The the it's it's really important to, to get this right. So the dividend payable date, there is no entitlement on the payable date. So just because the dividend's being paid tomorrow, if you own if you buy the shares today, hoping to get the money tomorrow, you're not going to get it. The company has decided that the that the dividend would be given to you tomorrow, but only if you own the shares. Mm. To your point, Andrew, on the ex dividend date. So yes. ignore the dividend payable date. If you own the shares, that's great to know because that's when that's, you get the cash. That's when you can spend. But you it. can't yeah. buy the shares anywhere near around the payable date or the payment date, whatever you want to call it, mm. because you're just simply not going to get the dividend. You must own it on the record date, which means you must have bought the shares or held them before the ex-dividend date. The ex-dividend date is the date that matters. But again, even then, don't buy them just for that reason, as Andrew's saying. Oh, yeah, look, a quick pro tip here as well, and I, I mention it because it often comes up on our boards. There is no requirement for a company to pay a dividend. So right. we might have paid dividends for the last 100 years. There's no requirement that it does next year. And the date that it paid it last year doesn't necessarily have to be the date it does this year yep. as well. So yes, whenever, that's also true. Yeah, so it's point. a very easy mistake. So well, last yeah. year it was the, yeah. and, you know, this is what you'll see on, on your broker platform. They, they paid it on the 13th, so that's what it's going to be right. this year. Good it's call. not necessarily the same. It's very easy to check. Just go to the ASX, um, have a look at the company announcements. Mm-hmm. That they will they will announce when that ex-dividend date is, and then you will know for sure. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, uh, we've got a couple more questions. Let's hold them over to next week because I really, I really am on your side with this. Oh, with this high time. Horse. So, uh, <laughs> there he is. My headphone volume is way too loud. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Wait right for the Winnie, oh, dude. There we go. It's a pregnant pause. The Winnie is always important. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're right. Uh, you're almost there, mate. Stick with us. Stick with us. Uh, what's your high horse? 
I this week I saw the article I hate most. And when I say the article I hate most in the present tense, that's because I hated it most every single bloody time it's been published ever. And it gets published in the a history lot. of the world. Headline: Buy and hold is dead. <laughs> I just. I, I, <laughs> I, you know what I love about these rants is when I have to actually stop myself. I have to bring myself back a little bit <laughs> so I can actually talk, right, rather than just the exasperated ah, thing that you do so okay, well. Doing well, your radio stunts, I need to hook you up to an ECG or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Just watch, watch the blood pressure rise. And How the are we going? Well, the ego's gone straight. We're number one on the, on the podcast chart last week. No, we've got radio stunts. We're, uh, we're getting a little bit carried away here, aren't we? But I, I like the idea of putting some of your positions outside. That's kind of fun. No, let's move past that. So here's the thing. Buy and hold is not dead. Buy and hold has never been dead. But those who have a vested interest in saying it is because they maybe have managed your money, maybe they are your stockbroker who want you to trade more. So the, the sense that all of a sudden, after a century of history, buy and hold no longer works is just absolute proven bullshit, if you can excuse the French. It's been the case for the returns on the stock market over a century are about 10% a year, give or take. Mm. That's not 10% a year every year. Mm. But if you simply bought the index and held it, you've got a squillion dollars today. Yeah. The idea that all of a sudden, after a century of, of, of history, it stopped. A, would be stupid in the first place. Mm. B, we've been around, you and I, around the block enough times. It happened three years ago and five years ago and eight years ago and 12 years ago. Mm. Someone was publishing the headline, buy and hold is dead. Mm. The only thing that I, I don't like about the internet is it only goes back to about 1995 because i got to go back even further to find the newspapers yeah. where in 1983 they were saying buy and hold is dead. 1972 they said buy and hold is dead. The entire concept that somehow the market is changing incontrovertibly mm. Is as I said, already stupid. The fact that it's been promised for the last 45 years and still hasn't happened is absolute evidence that this is a completely stupid headline. It's out there for a bit of headline. It gets a headline, right? So yeah. why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. It's done by an asset manager, a fund manager, a stockbroker, someone Always who's interested to make corporate. a trade. Yeah. Uh, just go on. Uh, I, well, save me from I, myself. I, I, well, no, save, no, save our listeners from me. No, 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 no. Well, I agree. I totally agree. Don't to me, but. But, oh, here we but go. I will say, I, I think. And, and people will rightly say, you know, Scott, you prattle on about this all the time. And oh, yet, they, say they wouldn't say prattle. <laughs> That's how you talk intelligently on, about it. Bang no, on. no, 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 no. You share your wisdom with us uh, uh, on this topic. <laughs> is what, what they probably say. You espouse this from time to time. I, I, um, I, I cover in great detail the, the sense of arguments about it. And they'll say, well, yeah, but I'm a member of your service and you just issued, uh, you know, four sell recommendations in the last month. I mean, that is seemingly a little bit inconsistent, uh-huh. isn't it? Is You're saying that buy and hold is not dead, but I want you to sell these shares. Explain yourself, sir. Easy. If you simply buy and hold the index, you will be a squillionaire, and that is the first thing most investors should do. Buy an index fund, the Vanguard Australian ASX 200 index fund, the Vanguard International Developed Markets Index Fund. Mm-hmm. Sit on that, add some money regularly, you'll make a fortune, absolute mm-hmm. fortune, by doing nothing other than buying and holding that index. Okay. If you're going to buy individual shares, and that's what we do at our services, mm-hmm. we, we've we had to, because because stupid people say stuff like you just said, not that you're stupid, Andrew, you're, you're an intelligent and capable bloke, but people say, aha, you say buy and hold, but then you go and sell, therefore it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They, people love to try and find fault, right? And so we, we've had to kind of... So do we, by the way. Well, people in glass houses. You. Not, <laughs> you, you like to find fault. You just had it. Anyway, I'm, go on. Yeah. Go on. So we, we, we've, had, we've had to somehow... <laughs> Because of the stupidity of that, say, well, okay, let's call it buy to hold. In other words, we buy with right. the intention of holding for the longest possible time yeah. until such time as our thesis is broken. Yeah. Right? And that's also true. So mm. we would never say about almost any company, buy the shares, put them in the bottom drawer, never ever look at them or think about them again. There's probably a handful of companies you could do that with. Yeah. Berkshire Hathaway in the US, maybe Sol Pat's here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some I feel would feel really good about that. But generally speaking, either buy the index and hold that or buy to hold. Mm-hmm. As, a, as, a, as an approach, buy and hold yeah, is the well, intent. I'm buying right? this share with the intention of holding this for many, 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 right, many, many right. years. And I'm doing it because I've got this expectation that X, Y, and Z are, are true. It turns out 
uh, and this is going to happen to you a lot, by the way, as an investor, that you're going to be wrong from time to time. Oh, not, not me. We except you, everyone you. except for yeah, you. Yeah, other people, is, yeah. Is, yeah. Other people yeah, will other sometimes people. Yeah. be wrong. And when they are wrong, it What's is it, like? it is uh, it's not fun, i got to be honest <laughs> with you. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but it is it is stupid to put your head in the stand. In yeah. the sand. Yeah. So so it is. we, we prefer the term buy to hold. Yes. Um, Talk about the intention, which is what buy and hold was always supposed to mean. Yeah. But because people want to hijack it and say literally this is what it means, therefore whatever, yeah. we've had to, you know... Acquiesce some degree and say, okay, let's be a little clearer in our language. Probably not a bad thing, right? There's no, there's no downside of being a little clearer with our terminology. Well, um, Buffett gets this one as well because he says he's one of his favorite or his, his most famous quotes is his favorite holding period is forever. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, Berkshire will sell something and people go, ah, right. right. <laughs> That's well, not rule forever. number one. Don't lose money. Rule number two. Don't forget rule number one. Ah, you lost, lost money. Therefore, the rule's stupid. Yeah, it's just, it's just dumb. It's, it's, it's a way of thinking. It's an approach to investing that works incredibly, incredibly well mm. in all of those examples. Just got to be mindful of how it works. All right. Let's. I'll let you get off that poor, poor nag. Uh, thank you so much again, sir. We made it uh, 35 minutes uh, on not enough sleep and way too much alcohol <laughs> yesterday. We, quality podcast. We made it. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through the iTunes. Number one the number podcast one. in the country, <laughs> Triple M's Motley Fool Money. I'm always reminded of the pride before fall. Oh, mate, that's why I'm doing it now. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Next week, we're gonna, I'm not going to mention it next week. No, don't. false number 86 next week, I'm not even going to think about mentioning it. <laughs> that's right. But while I've got it, it was true at a point in time, Andrew, they can't take that away from us. If you'd like We will always bit. have been number one on the 15th of March. 2018. If you, Back in the day. Man, if you would like a little bit of more foolish goodness. And why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't you? Um, go where? I don't know. Where do you go? Triple uh, Motley.com. Motleyfool.com. No, no, no. Just, just fool.com.au. Fool. Oh, Forward slash. I'm out. I'm out. Mic drop. <laughs> Full if you on. do like what we're doing. Oh, sorry, yes. If you do like what we're doing, a big fat five-star rating. <laughs> Last week you say, we do this all the time, we should change it. People think it's the same thing all the time. Uh, we're not good enough. No. No. Give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends, please. A whole lot of your fellow fools enjoyed it last week. They signed up. Uh, unfortunately for them, this is their first podcast, and that may be enough to see them cancel, which might be why the ratings drop next week. But if you do like it, please tell your friends. Let us know. Give us a line on Twitter. Until next week. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.